Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hello, welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. I'm Allison Kay. And like always, we have a wonderful business case study for you and a fantastic entrepreneur we're going to speak to. He is a former surgeon turned human performance expert. And I, I'm so intrigued by his story about how you're a surgeon and, and you become a human performance expert. But his company has won a wealth of awards, including being named one of Time's Best Inventions of 2020 and Fast Company's Most Innovative Companies of 2021. So with that introduction, I would love to welcome Alex Young to the program. Alex, we're so happy to have you here today. Thanks, Alison. It's great to join you. Really excited to speak to you today. Okay, so we prepped your your company. Tell us what it is and tell us what it does that has won all these awards. So as you kindly mentioned in your excellent introduction, my background is originally as a surgeon. So I trained in trauma and orthopedic surgery in the UK. As you can tell from my Harry Potter accent, I am British, um, but I also spent a little bit of time at the Hospital for Special Surgery uh, in Manhattan as well. And as uh, a human, I've always been very, very interested in learning and development and uh, really sports and coaching and things like that. And my, my mother is a now retired school headmistress. So I've probably got some genetic predisposition to learning. When I was at medical school, I founded a company that did in-person teaching and training. And then when I was doing my surgical training, I also had a, a side hustle business around my, my main job which did digital online training, preparing doctors and nurses for exams, which got quite large. And then probably around about three and a half years ago, I wanted to take on a bigger project, really to transform how people in healthcare, but also outside of healthcare in any industry, learn, train and perform. I always learned best when I was training on the job or learning by experience, something known as experiential learning. And I wanted to create a digital training platform that allowed anyone to hop into on-demand training scenarios, have their performance analyzed on a mobile phone, on a desktop computer, uh, or in newer technologies like virtual augmented reality headset, where you can be literally put into any kind of crazy, dangerous environment, but practice safely, and then help those people to improve and, and improve their human performance. And so that's what I'm doing now. We're sort of three and a half years into that journey, uh, and we scaled up very, very quickly as you kindly mentioned, the company's won a number of uh, high profile awards. And we've gone from a team of probably around about 10 people uh, to a team of almost 50 people now in the space of about six months due to, to the company growth. So really, really exciting time and something I'm very passionate about. Well, one of the things that um, is intriguing to me, and I, I always tell our listeners, if you're near a laptop, when you're listening to this interview, go look at the website of the company so that you can follow along more with what Alex is talking about. So it's V-I-R-T-I. And I'm, I'm very intrigued about the, let's just start with this. What types of companies and industries are currently coming to you for this type of performance training and and using the VR headset technology to put people in these unique situations? 
Well, it's been slightly terrifying, especially over the past 18 months of the pandemic, because we've had every type of company reach out to us really so we we started off trying to do the startup thing of staying focused and focusing on that healthcare industry uh, serving medical device companies as well as healthcare professionals but you know you name it we've had people reach out to us so we've done work with sports teams where we can um, put their players into high pressure environments like being a, a quarterback or playing baseball or playing cricket uh, in the UK, if anyone's familiar with the game of cricket, which is very British. Um, but, but a lot of the time, you know, when we talk about human performance and coaching, a, a lot of that preparation is visualization, mm-hmm. so thinking about how you're going to perform when it matters. And um, certainly leaning on my experiences as a surgeon, I had done my six years of medical school, I'd done seven years of surgical training. But when you get into a situation where you are seeing someone who comes in from a, a road traffic accident or you're seeing something that's that's a problem occurring in an operation all of that training goes to the back of your brain when panic or, or angst starts to set in and you've really got to think how do I deal with this how do I communicate with my team how do I focus on on performing at my best when it matters and so that kind of ethos can apply to, to pretty much any industry we work with people in retail um, mm-hmm. where we can do things like technical skills training and we do a lot in corporate training around soft skills, which is one of my big passions because human performance in the corporate workplace is, a much, is as much about how you communicate with your team, how you communicate with your customers, how you have difficult conversations and how you have coaching conversations to get the best out of your people. So really, really wide uh, variety of, of things we can help people with. You know, Alex, what I find intriguing um, is I was originally... I have a degree in professional education. So when I went through university, I was originally going to be a teacher, uh, which was great foundation and skills for going to business, which is what I eventually ended up in. But when you went through training to be a teacher, you have a lot of um, situations that they put you in and they coach you on. And you have all these people who watch you and observe you and give you notes. And there are certainly a lot of other occupations that do that. But there are so many occupations of the world that do not do that. And, and, and so I see this just as a benefit for so many other things than, than just like what you said, the things that we think of, you know, high level training, hands-on coaching. And I I think that's beautiful. I want to go back again to, because you gave everybody in a nutshell, like your whole history. Um, But I want to dig in deeper into you know, your, your journey as an entrepreneur. And you, you said you, you started your first company when you were a student and then um, your second company. But at some point before you started, Verdi, you had to say, I mean, you're, you're a surgeon, you're, you're a busy man, you're, you've got all these things that you're doing. So tell us about how you went from having the concept to building that team with you to actually get it underway. It's, it's a great question. And I think for me, um, it's one that I get o- asked quite often and I, I sometimes don't have the best uh, <laughs> introspective answer for it. I think for me, I'm, I'm just a little bit strange. So when I was training as a, a, a medic, I was always really, really passionate, obviously, about learning. I think that's sort of my why in life. I, I love learning new things and I love challenging myself. So part of the first company that I started was really understanding how to actually run a business and how to have fun with it. And, and that was the thing that sort of gave me my, my, my kicks really in life. And then um, as I started my medical training and, and becoming more 
I guess, astute at understanding business and things like that. For, for anyone listening, he might have a sort of side hustle business, which I think, you know, everyone should have. You should always be learning things on the side, especially around business and sales and these amazing skills that you can now learn anywhere. There will come to it will come to a point where if you want to go after a really, really big idea or mission that you're passionate about, you need to go all in on it and it needs to consume kind of most of your time. So I uh, came to this really, really difficult decision point where, as you said, I, I love my job. I was working as a, a surgeon, which was just a really fantastic, rewarding job. I'd got through significant amount of my training. And then I had this opportunity to really take action and and have a go at setting up this company and, and hiring people and, and becoming a full-time CEO or trying to do it part-time or putting it off into the future. And interestingly for me, the thing that motivated the, me the most was, was that kind of FOMO, that fear of missing out. So yeah, at the time I was, um, I think sort of 33, 34, something like that. And I was thinking, you know, if I put this off till the time I'm 40 or I delay it or I, only go part-time on it and it moves more slowly than I would like it to I'm going to lose a lot of time and I think one of my big things that I try and hold some leverage over myself on is is always you've only got a certain amount of time in your life and if you don't go for things and really challenge yourself even if it's a a question of something you love uh, against something that's very very risky as was in this decision I just had to go for it. So um, yeah, I made a big decision. I had to explain to my parents who perhaps at the first go didn't quite understand what I was, what I was suggesting. Our son's a surgeon. <laughs> exactly right. So, um, because as many, was, as many of these success stories we hear about entrepreneurs and businesses, there are way more failing stories that we don't hear. So yes, I can imagine the conversation with your parents. Absolutely. Well, luckily they've been on the journey with me and it's uh, so far Touchwood been going very, very well. So I think uh, that they're very pleased, but it was a very risky decision to make, but uh, absolutely for me, the right one. Well, who did you surround yourself initially? Because it doesn't matter whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're a business builder. And I always compliment entrepreneurs, you know, your teams are everything. So did you have an official co-founder? Did you have just a C-suite? Tell us how you you built that first team. Yes, yeah, so, so I was um, where I'm based in the UK and where I sort of had the idea um, it is a really great tech hub uh, in mm-hmm. the UK. So I, I live in a place called Bristol uh, when I'm not on a plane flying around everywhere. And I had lots of friends who were in the games development industry and so uh, technically I, I was the, the solo founder at Verti uh, and sort of set up a lot of things initially and, and got investment um, myself. But I, I built up this team of just fantastic people in the, the technical space who were able to take some of my ideas and turn them into an actual product. And we were very fortunate that um, when I had the idea in the initial uh, sort of business plan written on the back of a piece of paper without being a true real business plan, um, we were able to get some investment from some investors in Silicon Valley. Uh, And then the initial team of of four people, which was made up of uh, Nils Helberg, who's the the CTO at Verti, um, and then some of our early stage developers were able to, to fly out from the UK to San Mateo Uh, in Silicon Valley and really build out the tech there, which was firstly extremely exciting for everybody. Uh, And secondly, it was really great having just a focused time and space Mm -hmm. to to do that and speak to customers from. So it was a really, really exciting time. And I think you're absolutely right. That early stage team helped motivate me uh, by seeing them bringing the product to life and getting it in front of customers. It was very, very rewarding for everybody involved, especially the customers. And we then were able to build up 
that team with with some excellent people in sales uh, in operations and and grow very very quickly over a short space of time and have you done more than um how many investment rounds have you done can you tell us a little bit about your just financial background there yeah, absolutely. So for me personally, I had bootstrapped my previous company and, and um, Nils, who I mentioned as our CTA, will hate me for saying this. My previous company, I did all the coding and everything. I'm not a coder, but I sort of <laughs> taught myself how to code and it was pretty terrible, but um, it still uh, did, you know, did, did very well in terms of sales. Um, so for Verti, I knew that I'd be making a much more um, complex, deep technology product. Um, and so I had never raised any money before. So I, we did a, a pre-seed round um, back in, in 2018 and then closed a formal seed round of, of uh, $2 million uh, in, in 2019, in April 2019, and really sort of grew the company there. And then through 2020, we really scaled very, very quickly um, in the pandemic when obviously lots and lots of training and development was was by necessity going remote. So even people who were later adopters of, of some of the technologies that we used, they suddenly needed to, to jump on the bandwagon, which was great for them to have that sort of head start. So we'd originally planned to raise a sort of Series A round this year in 2011, um, but because of our company growth, um, we we started having some conversations with investors towards the end of last year and beginning of, of 2021. And then we closed a $10 million Series A investment um, about six months ago now. Um, well, congratulations. Well, and, and and to scale, you would need that. And let's let's talk about the scaling because you, you're telling in your story about going from a team of 10 to a team of 50. And I'm sure if we talk to you three months from now, that number could potentially be even even bigger. I always love to talk about culture because when you scale and you scale rapidly, um, culture is is a problem to keep the vision and make sure the team is is what you want. So any lessons learned or advice that you would have for other people facing that type of uh, quick growth? It's a brilliant question. And I think it's something that all company founders really need to focus on very, very early, actually. So someone had given me similar advice about culture being so important when I founded Verti. So that was always ingrained into me about making our company culture one of the best places for anyone to kind of come and, and learn and train and perform because we ourselves are obviously a human performance company. Um, so at Verti, our, our culture is be bold, be fast and be amazing. So um, we we love people who are challenging themselves, who are learning all the time, who are bettering themselves. And as we've scaled up, I think one of the most practical, helpful pieces of advice that I uh, again was given and then we implemented was that in our hiring process originally we d- we didn't really have a, a huge data-driven hiring process when we were sort of a team of you know five to ten people as we scaled up and we're hiring lots and lots of people every single week it's it seemed like we needed to have a way that was unbiased that was very data-driven and that was scalable and so we constructed uh, a system which involved outreach to to potential candidates uh, using tasks within the interview process to help really give an understanding to us about how people might perform in work and then doing an interview that focused really around the qualities of, of that company culture. Um, so looking for examples in the interview process of how people had been bold or, or taken ownership of things or been creative, how they've been fast in responding to, to different problems or customers and how they've been amazing at just sort of over delivering. Um, and, and that's worked amazingly for us. And I'd, I'd really, really recommend anyone um, looking at, at their culture and how that integrates to how they hire people and then how they they reward that, their people as well so we've actually just uh finished our, our q3 
Verti Awards, where we, we award uh, lots of our employees who've done very well around some of those company culture points. So people who've learned the most, people who've been amazing through different projects in the company, which is, is really, really great, really fun. So is your team uh, essentially between the UK and California, or do you have people virtual in other places as well? Yeah, so again, we, we were really strange. So because I... I saw the US as our main initial market um, because my other companies sold there despite me originally being based in the UK. <laughs> I, I, you know, very, very, very early on, literally when we were founded uh, and, and launched back in 2018, I based myself in the US, mainly on a plane actually between uh, California, Texas and New York, doing everything from sales and, and all sorts of things. So because I was doing that and then our developers were back in the UK, we were really fully remote from day one. So we had a small office space back in Europe, but, but actually um, we were very happy for people to work from whatever environment was most comfortable for them. And then, you know, fast forward to now, that's obviously almost the, the new standard for lots of companies um, and, and giving their employees the op- opportunity to do that. And so we've been sort of fully remote really from day one, actually. Um, and, and our, our sort of take on things has always been, you know, if, if our people are happy and they're productive and they've got a good work environment, they can work from literally anywhere on the planet. So if they want to work from the home, if they want to work from a co-working space, if they want to fly off to Hawaii and do some work from a laptop on the beach, that's all cool. Um, you know, whatever gets the best out of them. So I want to ask about what keeps you up at night about technology, because you, you run a company that's totally based on, on technology. Um, are there things that uh, concern you or that you have a lot of conversations about you know, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, product development or something in that range of with the technology. Yeah, re- really great question. I, th- I think for me, the, the thing generally that keeps me up about anything, technology or, or, or literally anything to do with it is, is just time. Um, because we, you know, we, we've got a great team. We've got a really strong plan that we need to execute on. And really, you know, we're not fighting against any competitors really in the market that we're in, which is quite fragmented, fragmented in learning development. It's really about, you know, challenging ourselves to get things done as quickly as possible. So I think for me, one of the big challenges as, uh, you know, my previous company where I was doing literally everything. And as a surgeon, I was, you know, th- there's an element where I, I have to be in control of things, whether it's infection or whether it's making sure that patients are safe. Um, and, and so handing off things like, you know, product development or handing off engineering to other people, it w- was a real challenge for me. And I think especially when we move into the realms of deeper technology like AI were, um, if you've got a big data set like like we have um, for things like conversation or breaking bad news or how we analyze um, things like body language using using AI and sentiment analysis, that, that takes time to train. It takes time to build up. Um, and so me as the CEO, I'm always on a, a, you know, our engineering team, you know, when, when's the next thing going to be ready? When are we pushing this feature out? When can we commercialize it? Um, and I think I've probably learned certainly over the past 12 months is, is just to you know, take, take my sort of foot off the pedal a little bit on that and um, allow the team to sort of be creative and, and hit the customer's uh, problems, you know, head on uh, that they're seeing in, in the marketplace. But yeah, I'm, I'm slowly getting better at that, but it does occasionally keep me up at night. Sort of why, why aren't we a, you know, a $4 billion valued company now? <laughs> you know, I got to say, I've been interviewing a lot of people from, for a number of years now, and I just love the phrase that you just said, when can we push it out and when can we commercialize it? I just loved that phrase because 
that is the type of drive that is going to get you to that mark that that you just mentioned. And um, it was interesting. I was on a panel for young marketers, university students, and we were talking about careers and, and where people went. And the three people that went before me said these very nice things about finding things that you're passionate about and finding things like this. And then it was my turn. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to be honest. My, my objective when I started was in business was how much money can I make? We all, we all work, have the same amount of time. We work the same amount of hours. How do I get more? And how do I learn from the people that know things that I don't know? So I just, <laughs> I really appreciate Alex, that statement. How, how can we commercialize it? I want to talk more about the product. You did a good job at the beginning of describing, you know, different environments, but can you give us a little bit better example of the the reality? And, and like you said, you made a comment of, about the sentiment analysis of, of what's happening in this virtual environment. Can you just think of one of your, your clients and one of the products and help our listeners be able to visualize it a little bit better? Yeah, absolutely. So for anyone listening, um, if what we've sort of built is really um, a cloud-based training platform. So there are elements of a learning or people management system there where you uh, add all of your learners or all the people in your organization to a cloud-based system. And then the system is able to deliver appropriate training via either video um, or via these computer-generated avatars that you can speak to which use AI. So if you go on a website, you can see some of these funny looking characters. Uh, it looks a little bit like a video game and you can access that on desktop, on mobile or in a virtual reality headset where you're literally kind of transported in to see these avatars face to face. And with the, the video training, you can really capture anything you like. So if you capture an existing role play environment, um, that can be digitized and, and scaled to all of your employees and they receive it on, on their app or, or desktop or VR headsets. And the administrators or trainers can manage all of those learning scenarios from the cloud. So they can look at who's completed them, look at their progress, look at who's struggling with certain areas. And the bit where AI sort of comes in and slightly complicates things is that um, with the the avatars or with um, the way that the learners are interacting in those scenarios, we capture a lot of the data, a little bit like an Amazon Alexa device. So if they're speaking to one of these avatars in real time, we can analyze what they're saying. And, and just to go back to your, your point earlier about um, your past life instead of teaching, I think it's a really, it's a great uh, example, which is um, one of our customers is Cedar sinai Hospital in, in Los Angeles. And as doctors, you, you do technical skills and you also do communication skills. And if you think about how people are trained in person at the moment, it's often done with somebody observing and they sort of comment on what you're doing whether it's a technical skill or whether it's having a a soft skills type conversation and the person observing will give some feedback but they're inherently slightly biased because of their own experiences Mm -hmm. um, or you know how they're feeling on the day and so forth so with our system when people are, are put into those digital environments the system will actually analyze their performance in a completely unbiased way and turn that into data, which is then shown to the learners and, and shown to the, the learning development staff so that you can really action things in an unbiased way. And um, with Cedar sinai we turn some of their new doctor onboarding, which again is normally done in person. So that's things like 
how to communicate, familiarizing people with the hospital, familiarizing them with how to use certain pieces of equipment. Um, that normally took them about 14 days to do. So huge cost uh, for the hospital, huge stress on faculty time. And obviously all these new doctors and nurses weren't you know, in their actual jobs because they were out doing training for 14 days. We were able to reduce that by over uh, 50% using our digital tools which firstly saved them a heck of a lot of money yeah that's then, significant which, which was huge and and um i think you know the other really great thing about that was for things like healthcare, where it can be very scary going into a an operating department or a ward or any kind of hospital for the first time especially if that's your first job from med school and it's the same with anyone going into any job there's always that little bit of apprehension meeting new people am i going to mess up we also got a lot of data showing that um, actually people's anxiety levels reduced um, compared to when they just did this sort of one-off episodic training because they were able to access all this training on demand anytime um, w- w- which was super rewarding and um, you know now with with the avatars we're doing things like sales training where you can practice your sales technique with a, an avatar who might be a, either an easy or a, or a difficult customer um, to, to close and if, you know if you're any kind of organization with a, a large sales department we can start looking at, okay, what are the, the aptitudes and the skill sets of your high performers? How do they communicate? What's their body language using some of these clever uh, bits of technology and then help you to scale that to the rest of your team and, and, and bring up people who might be, you know, in the middle uh, in terms of their sales quota and, and improve your company kind of success and productivity. So I'm going to switch and ask you, what is it that you do I don't want to say in your free time, but what do you do for hobbies and to keep yourself balanced? Yeah, so I'm, as I mentioned, I'm a real learning nerd and basically like challenging myself. So I think um, I love reading for anyone who uh, is just listening to this on audio. There's like a million books behind me. So I'm, I'm continuously jumping into books to, to learn from other people who scale businesses. Um, and then really my, my biggest outlet is, is really fitness and sports. So I've always been very, very sporty. That's part of where the human performance thing comes from. Um, I, at the moment, I'm uh, continuing to learn CrossFit, which I started uh, doing sort of during lockdown. Um, and behind me, you can't quite see, I'll try and move out the way, which way, there we go. I've got a, a guitar as well. So I've started teaching yeah. myself some new skills as well. So lots of kind of creative outlets or outlets that help me sort of stay fit, healthy, um, and, and, you know, when I do come into work and have to sit down, I'm, I'm raring to go. Yeah. Well, I've got a big dog who keeps me busy and she's sitting here wanting uh, lots of attention at, at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't understand my infatuation with the computer. Um, so Alex, if you had to give a young entrepreneur or a business builder, um, a couple just pieces of wisdom that you've learned along the way, what is some of that most valuable advice? I think for me that, and this is sort of reflecting on my personal journey is really just get going and and start on something um, because you will learn by doing that's the most effective thing. Now that's obviously very scary to do. And especially if it's the first thing you're doing in your 17, 18 or however old or younger or older, but if it's the first thing you're doing, that can be very scary. And so I think having some safety nets around you is really important. So whether that is, just surrounding yourself with great people as we touched on so making sure that you've got people who support you through your journey um who are not going to judge you you know if something goes well um and who are going to celebrate things with you think if um you know things do go well um but also you know if you don't have access to great people 
do dive into things like books. Listening to podcasts like this is again a great way to learn and be mentored by people who have done, uh, you know, some things or who are, you know, either just a couple of years ahead of you in their own journey or, or many years ahead. So I, I think just to kind of summarize that, it's really get stuck in and surround yourself with with as much information and learning as possible. And just remember that life is really a journey and you're, you know, if you stop learning, it's going to get very, very boring. So um, the, the end goal of any business is obviously to, to either, you know, transform an industry, have an amazing mission or sell your business and make a, a bunch of money for everybody involved. But when it's the end, it is the end and you might not learn anymore until you start your next business. So really, really do enjoy that journey and continue learning. Well, Alex, I thank you so much for being a guest today. And if our listeners want to learn more about the company or connect with you, where should they go? Yeah, so um, the company's Verti, V-I-R-T-I. Um, we can be accessed at Verti.com and we're at Verti Labs, uh, L-A-B-S, on all social channels. And if you want to dive into any of the other bits that we sort of covered here today, I've also got uh, our CEO blog, which I've started writing again during lockdown to try and share more information with, with other people just getting started. So uh, that can be found on our website or at um, alexanderfyoung.com. Well, thank you so much, Alex. And to our listeners, if Alex shared something or if you're really impressed by Verdi's story, please pass this episode along to a friend or a colleague. And if you um, have a wonderful, innovative CEO that you think I need to speak to, send me a note at connect at alisonksummers.com. Until then, everybody, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Alex, Thank you for giving us the gift of your time and we wish you a fantastic day. This show has been produced Thanks by so Market much, Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank you.